I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Creative Guts. On today's episode, we're talking with Lindsay Marshall, an artist who works with glass creating sculpture, jewelry, and memoriam vials. I met Lindsay at the Byfield Hay Barn last winter as my booth neighbor, and she was freaking amazing. Lindsay's work is beautiful, and we can't wait to learn more. So let's get right into this episode of Creative Guts with Lindsay Marshall. Welcome, Lindsay, to the Creative Guts podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Julie. Absolutely. We're very excited you're here. Yes. Probably within the first five seconds of meeting you, which was at the Byfield Hay Barn last winter, I was like, okay, I want to know more about this person and I want to be their friend because they're awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Honestly, thought the same thing. I feel like they, it was a meant to be moment yep. because they put us next to each other. And I was like, well, thank you so much. <laughs> I know it was good to like chat, touch Aww. base and just, yeah, get to know each other. It well, was really cool. It was also freezing cold. So you need someone to turn to you to be like, are you okay? Because I'm cold. Yep. And then to be like, all right, we're checking in with each other. We've got coffee. We're doing good. And you are actually a, a real life hero because you gave me foot warmers. Oh. Oh, you're right. My feet, my toes would have inevitably fallen off because it was freezing that day. It was bad. I can't thank you enough for that. It was was a a bonded meant through our pain. (laughs) That's right. True. Which is so heartwarming. It's special. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to jump right on in. Your work is absolutely amazing. Very unique. And can you start by telling our listeners what you make and how you make it? Yeah, of course. So I call myself a a mixed media glass artist is kind of how I give my little title. I would say that uh, my work is mostly I sell like memoriam vials is what I call them. And they are these glass vials that hang in your window or in your wall or on your house. Um, I kind of really leave it up to what you want to hold it as. But for me, they're kind of these encased little moments. They have um, all different dried material inside. So they have bones. They have uh, flowers. Some are feathers collected, um, bugs. Uh, I'm actually, I really started with dried flowers and then kind of moved on to all these other materials because my friends were really into it and started collecting for me as well and then gave me more ideas. But basically for me, they're based like these little collected moments that we can treasure and hold and Mm -hmm. um, house together. So sometimes for me, it really started as like being a hoarder, actually. I I (laughs) collect a little too much. I think all artists do that. Absolutely. Totally. Um, It's my least favorite thing about art. (laughs) (laughs) It's all the organizational skills you need for all the things you collect. It's just very hard to balance being like a minimalist and being like artsy because then you end up with all this stuff and then you're like, I don't like having all this stuff, but you're like, what if I need this thing to create the perfect thing? And it's, it's a, it's a dilemma. No, I, I'm with you on that. (laughs) I have like raw glass from college because I'm like, who knows, maybe I can melt that some other time. And, and it's just a bucket that sits in my house and my dad has been begging me to get rid of it. <laughs> and if you ever get rid of it, you'll need it right afterwards. Yep. It's a that's curse. What, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, who knows? Maybe I'll get a residency and like, boom, I'm going to need that bucket. Yep. <laughs> and it's a great way to recycle things too, right? Uh, and, you know, not have it yeah. just end up somewhere in a landfill. You're actually 
repurposing it and making it beautiful again. Totally. I know as like a glass artist too, I try really hard to think about those things, even though it's probably one of the most intense and horrible things for the environment. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll just... Yeah. We'll think about that and do a, my best as recycling on other yeah. things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. So I'm most familiar with your memoriam vials, which I bought two of, but I uh, checked out your website and found this whole large variety of other work, this glass sculptural work. It's it's all very deeply conceptual and just like knocked my socks off. So what has been the evolution as far as, you know, when did you start making in this discipline and you know what's your goal with it all that's a great question i really appreciate you so much for looking at my website yes (laughs) i really like i don't put much time into it but i love it so much and i want it to be basically like all of my sculptures from college and it's it's a love for me so thank you one and two i guess um i would i went to mass art in boston and they have a glass program there i didn't go with any experience to kind of start i just took a class and fell in love and it, it is that's kind of if you ask any glass artist it's really weird we kind of all have that same moment mm-hmm. and I think it really comes from we're all pyros deep down but <laughs> maybe no one else wants to admit that <laughs> I'm fine with admitting it <laughs> but um, my sculptures I a lot of glass blowing um, I learned traditional glass blowing which is most people call it hot shop work or soft glass there's a couple other types of glass. There's also flame working, um, which is with borosilicate. So you basically can make um, more medical gear and then also like smoking devices is mm-hmm. another way um, that you can make that <laughs> glass. A- another type of glass making is obviously stained, stained glass. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's fusing or slumping or casting, which is kind of made out of like an oven-like kiln. But so I was mostly familiar with fusing, slumping, casting, and hot shop work. Um, <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. But um, <laughs> it's sure. so cool. It's like a superpower. I don't it's, know. It's they teach you a lot, which is great. But so a lot of it is they kind of teach you the same way, I guess. And for me, I was really interested in the raw process or process in general, the glass material as itself. I kind of always say that like we're facilitators um, and maybe for other materials this is true too is like we're kind of the facilitator but our material is really the maker it's kind of what's taking on its own process it's like living and breathing and it has its own cycle of life just kind of like we do but we're like working in this symbiotic relationship I guess so for me when I was making like glasswork I just really wanted to I don't know highlight that So a lot of it is like these raw moments, um, glass that doesn't look like glass because I want people to investigate and question. I don't want it to be your traditional just glossy material that you glaze over. It's like uh, I want that raw state. And I think glass artists are really lucky because we get to work with it in that raw state when it's molten and crazy hard and flexible all at the same time. It's pretty fantastic to be us, I I guess. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. In that moment. But for me, I feel like a lot of my sculptures are really raw and there are a lot of like dirt or raw materials. And I want to highlight that. And for my future, I really want to make glass that kind of starts to change that way we look at glass material it's definitely starting to happen but I also feel like we could really start to develop a new way of looking at it um, and really question what is material and how can we break down or make our own as 
people because that's what glass has always been is like we've made this raw material from the start and it's very man-made so why not push that even more how do we make it more man-made but also nature because that's kind of like how it all happens oh my gosh I could just swim in everything you just said yeah. <laughs> I love what you just said about making this man-made thing into something almost organic in a way your uh, series duality of each other it has these biomorphic shapes and these smooth contrasted with very harsh textures it makes me think of like sea foam and it's just it's so rich I'm I'm just very excited about your work I really love it thank you so much um I feel like as all artists we like live in our own worlds and I think we get really caught up and as anyone, you know, you're like, am I good at this? Like, <laughs> I don't make any money, but um, should I keep going? <laughs> you know, I think we all feel that way. So it's it's really validating, I guess, to go to craft fairs and meet other like-minded artists to have these like mind-soul connects and then also meet people that look at your work that are willing enough to hang it in your house. Mm -hmm. um, to go into a gallery and be able to look around and like seep into someone else's mind is so special. Yep. So I just, I'm, I'm glad to at least like have that part of my career and my, my artistic practice. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. One of the things that I was thinking about when I was looking at your work was sort of the balance between like utilitarianism or just like gorgeous pieces. And it was one of the things I liked about the the memoriam vials was like, you can do whatever you want with it. It's just a beautiful thing. Or you can turn it into a necklace or earrings or whatever. And so is part of that, like, how much pressure do you feel to sort of like commercialize or make your work like sellable? And I'm using finger quotes, air quotes, air yeah. quotes. and <laughs> Lots our, of them. our listeners can't <laughs> or, see or that. Bunny ears. Bunny ears. <laughs> <laughs> you know, quote unquote sellable that I imagine there's something easier about like selling utilitarian pieces, especially at something like a craft fair versus like the conceptual gorgeous, like here's an art piece. So when I started making the memoriam vials, I did start because I was like, oh, I've got all these pieces. And um, one of my really like great friends is a flame worker and she's the one that taught me. And she was just like in there all the time. So it was a great way to honestly like hang out and just like melt shit together. Um, <laughs> but it really started because like I was like, all right, maybe I like them as objects for me. And I think they're really great like installation. And I put them on like as a critique once and no and everyone was like no like no installation I don't like that um and for me I was like okay whatever sure like kind of got a little sad about it. and I was like maybe this actually can be my object to sell yeah and I was really thinking about it being like it's really like something for me because that's my stubborn side is um my dad tells me all the time he's like you need to make um functional glassware like smoking devices because like everyone makes money off of it and I think that it's an amazing part of glass it really is I'm not knocking it um it's special yeah. but um I just never saw it as like me because I want or I, I do enjoy them but I don't know how to make it my own voice yet I guess mm -hmm. and for memoriam vials it was this great way to incorporate my sculptures and a lot of these moments with my sculptures were about like this life and death process um and thinking about like destruction and creation and this cycle of life and objects so I was like oh like having this glass piece that encapsulates these really special moments that I've got lying around anyways and honestly it kind of developed into something that's a lot more special than I thought it was. I kind of did it starting in, I think, like 2018. And really now it's kind of my main bag. I really love them and I sell them as like everything now. Yeah. Um, make them into earrings, which is a new thing. And I 
it's so funny because I do teeter that line of like, am I now like this commercial artist that's making <laughs> sellable artwork? <laughs> yep. Um, with my air quotes. There's more air quotes over here, listeners. <laughs> um, but it is kind of funny. I think we all have to think about that as like how as we mm-hmm. as artists make work and still make money. It's yep. so sad. I wish life didn't work that way, but it does. It does. And I think what's special about those as well is that they're at a lower price point than I'm going to imagine some of these other pieces are that are far larger and a lot more involved. And it's kind of nice for people of that don't have the means to spend a lot on a large amount of piece, but they can still own this very gentle, beautiful piece of art and be really proud of it and spend, you know, 40 50 $60 on a piece. And that's just really nice. You know, you can give art as a gift and you can invest in it and yep. spread it out there without feeling like I can't afford art, you know, and I just love that. Yeah, it's so funny because my, my sister's, um, she's a vintage seller. And her work, or like her collection and her work is amazing. Mm. So we talk all the time about like pricing and how do you do your pricing versus (laughs) how do I do my pricing? And it's such an intense topic. It's Mm -hmm. hard to do. But I like her, we always talk about how we want to keep it in a price range that anyone can buy. I'm not trying to be some elitist person Mm -hmm. that can't allow someone to buy my work. I mean, if someone's got the money, I'm like, please buy something large. I would love that. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's amazing. But if you can't can't then we can work something out where it's like $40 for a vial is my cheapest I think 35 is actually my cheapest Mm -hmm. price for a vial and it's 40 for a pair of earrings and I do think that it's a good price point um it is on the lower side but I think that it's important to keep art adaptable Mm -hmm. um because like anything with all artists I have a line of work so it's I have multiple different prices for different objects so if you wanted something larger which I do have larger work and it is a larger price Mm -hmm. but I think it's good to have the range oh absolutely you know it's it is good to have a a gift and that's kind of what I look at them as like oh it is special to not buy for yourself only but like buy for a gift I mean who doesn't also love a flower or like for the weirdos like me like a dead bug or the bones bones. (laughs) I love the bones yeah like I just met with um a friend of mine as well and he gave me like a bunch of bones in a box and was like here you go like (laughs) have fun and those moments are so special I'm like oh when people do those things for me I'm like oh I I make them something Um, nice because it's fun I I like to give my art to my friends and to people I love or to anyone really (laughs) have you had anyone request something custom like here's a feather from my pet duck can you I know I'm like I want the duck one that's adorable (laughs) but I do get customs not as frequently as I would like because they are so fun but I am trying to like figure out how to market myself better and like let people know they can do customs because I do I did one recently and it was um a horseshoe crab it was it was a small one probably like this big but if you think about my vials, like yeah. um, I had to make a really big one and it was challenging for me. And this person that requested it like was so happy that they were like, I'm sorry I had to challenge you. And thank God it was my friend as well. Cause I was like, oh God, like we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> but it was also really fun. And it's kind of the scary moment too though. Cause um, it's someone's object that they have so much power with. Yep. So for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to break it, one. Two, because I'm melting it down. I guess I should explain my process a little. I was just thinking that 
people listening might not quite understand what we mean by memorial vials. Yes. So a little... <laughs> I'm <Good> like thinking. <laughs> correct. Uh, I, this is actually my most... You probably had to listen to it so much on that Sunday. But was, it intrigued me every time. <laughs> I'm like, it's like I should figure out a better spiel. But um, basically, the tube comes already in a long tube shape, um, different sizes. And I will cut my tubes down. Um, I do it pretty willy-nilly, um, whatever I'm feeling <laughs> in that moment. And then I basically melt one end down, and I'm flame-working these, so I'm using a small torch um, and borosilicate. And I'm melting one end down. I then add a loop to it, and then I anneal that one side. So in the glass world, anneal basically means to cool down. Okay. And all glass, because we're working at such a hot temperature, it's about like 21,000 degrees um, or 2,100 Math is hard. Numbers are di- <laughs> numbers are difficult for me. Um, so it's very hot. And if you were to basically just let it cool down, um, for the most part, it's with borosilicate. It's pretty mm-hmm. forgiving, but other glasses aren't. So most of the time, you have to cool it down over a certain amount of time. Um, and that basically means it goes into an oven and it just kind of hangs out at certain temperatures to allow the stress in the glass not to cause too much and break later on. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's kind of cool. Like if you think about it, it's like um, glass is really amazing. And this is how I always describe it to my students is um, the whole point of annealing is if you think about molecules, it's going from a liquid to a solid. So if you think about molecules, liquid molecules are different than solid molecules. Mm -hmm. Liquids are kind of bouncing around a little bit. um, And then solids, obviously, super condensed and packed. So if you were to go from one to the other... It's going to be pretty intense. So that's basically a kneel. And um, after I anneal one side, it's still open on the other end now, but it has a loop on it. So you can now hang it or it can be a necklace. And then that's kind of when the fun starts. So I basically get to fill each vial with all the materials on the inside. I do have a pair here too, like a pair of earrings actually in my bag. So I will show both of you, sorry to the listeners. Um, you should follow me on my Instagram at Lindsay Marshall Glass. And Lindsay's spelled a little interesting. It's L-I-N-D-S-Y. But so I fill the vials and then at that point I will melt the other side back down. So in that moment, it's really hard because... Obviously, I'm melting one side down, um, so it it could burn. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I like it to, um, but sometimes with precious objects, I'm very scared not to. But I've kind of learned a little trick, which is if you leave about an inch away, it should stay perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed on that one. There's so much science and precision, and it's just like, oh. I became an artist to get away from science. It's amazing that you have that (laughs) element combined in there. It's pretty cool. Um, I would say that glass is pretty amazing, actually. I know that um, for coronavirus, a little fun fact for everyone, is (laughs) Corning Glass Museum in um, New York, they were helped making the containers to actually hold all of the, I guess, the vaccines. I don't even know really the whole spiel of it, but I know that Corning Glass Museum did do um, a little bit of help with all that. So it's glass wow. and science. Cool. Yeah, are pretty amazing. That is so oh. cool. Science meets art. I yeah. love it. A little hand in hand, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about sort of what 
inspires you like clearly your work is rooted in nature and natural elements so like let's say you have a little like creative block do you go out into nature is that your sort of like where do you find inspiration how do you sort of stay inspired and how do you get inspiration if you're if you're blocked I do think it fluctuates um I like nature is definitely my number one inspiration especially living around here um I live in um I guess 45 minutes north of Boston so it's and really close to the ocean as well so I kind of get the woodland and the beach side of things so always when I'm feeling blocked it is like my number one thing to go and just like take a nice walk through the woods and try actually like to not look up but to look down, mm-hmm. um, but not look at my feet, but look at like the roots and like little things that are happening on the ground. Just because I feel like when we're walking in nature, you know, like we're walking, we're always looking above. And sometimes I think like I try to focus on like the little moments. Um, mm. And it's good when I do it like alone, just yeah. because I feel like I am kind of more myself. Um, I don't like feel in, like sometimes like you're hanging out with your friends and you're like oh let's go for a walk and I'm like too engaged in the conversation because I'm uh-huh. a talker yep so I'm like oh you should really be alone and do these things <laughs> <laughs> and are you collecting uh this sounds weird a specimen <laughs> I love the word and yes sometimes I try to do like pressings um uh-huh. I think like that's like something my grandma used to you know like grandmas do but um like old pressings um so it's like sometimes I don't just use them for my vials I kind of keep them for myself but weirdly um another thing I do for inspiration is I because sometimes like we all get just like blocked up um and I will actually take like old newspapers and I did this a lot during the pandemic because I couldn't be at my studio or doing like glass things which is like you take an old newspaper and you find like words that really stand out to you and you basically make like little word poems Mm -hmm. and I feel like um that and like collaging are two ways of like making art that help me get back into my normal groove um and also like it's very weird but musicals I hello yes I (laughs) me and my sister like I love musicals I think like visually they're amazing and like the way you can time up music with dancing and Mm. how like colors flow and old like musicals as well it's just I would say that's like probably another big inspiration what's your favorite musical oh that's a really hard one (laughs) I feel like music wise the sound of music oh I just watched that recently it's a good one it's also a childhood one yeah me too but like visually West Side Story yeah but that's that's a it's been a hot topic lately because there's the new one that came out I don't know. Have you guys seen it? No, I haven't. Me neither. I don't know if I want to or yet. I don't know. (laughs) It's tough. (laughs) How can you do something that's been so amazing? I know. But I've been hearing great things. So I'm like, I don't know. I'll I'll see it. (laughs) You said something. So one of my favorite things about interviewing people on this podcast in general is that I sort of like am reminded to look at things differently. So there was something that you said that reminded me of... um, Laura and I went to see an art exhibit at the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts. The artist was Jim Banks, and he was talking about, he challenged me. He's like, just go outside and stare at the ground, and just things will reveal themselves. And so something you were saying about, like, being outside, being in the woods, not looking up, looking down, and just sort of staring at the ground is a really sort of beautiful way to find some inspiration and, like, things reveal themselves to you that you maybe don't notice if you don't have that artist brain. 
Wow, totally. I'm also like, wait, this artist, I should look up. Yes. I want to have to get his name at the end. I'll send you some Jim Banks info. Yeah. He does these large scale (laughs) oil paintings of like, uh, you know, a zoomed in, you know, one foot square of the ground and you see every weed and root and bug and piece of mica and stone. It's really very beautiful. Oh, I love that. Mm. I know. I feel like I... They've always kind of said this, but I think like the reason maybe we all love nature is because it makes us like realize how small we are. Yeah. You know, it's like this really great moment where you're like, oh, wow, like all of my stress and all these things and like the world and whatever it may be, like it really is like, wow, look at this amazing network of things that just Mm -hmm. happen. And they can happen without us. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be here for this to happen. Yep. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, she's powerful, Mother Nature. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the challenges you've faced as an artist. This is something we talk about a ton with our our guests because (laughs) as creatives, you know, we all, I mean, I think we can all relate. There's a lot of stuff that we have to process and encounter internally and externally to make our craft and to make it out there in the world. Imposter syndrome, you know, pricing we kind of already touched upon, photographing glasswork, Sarah wrote down, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of that. Right. I love the way you photograph your memoriam vials. Oh, thank you. Because it looks, I mean, just it looks like a piece of art as is, all of them together. It makes me think of sound waves. Oh, wow. Because of the way the bottles that. are going coming up and down. And we look mm-hmm. at them all the time when we're editing this yep. beautiful little podcast. So, yeah. you know, it's like a more beautiful version of that. Wow. Honestly, that's an amazing, like, connection. And that's really cool. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I love, like... How, like you said earlier, there's so many ways that other people um, will inspire your brain or like give you new ideas or kind of like make you look at something different. Where I'm like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So there was a question there and I just kind of talked beyond it. But <laughs> what kind of challenges are you facing with your practice of work? So it's a great question because I think we all do it. Um, And I think imposter syndrome is probably my number one. Just to kind of like explain, I think social media is amazing. Um, And I love photographing. My work is very hard. Um, We'll get into that. But (laughs) my Instagram, I'm really crazy because um, my friends always joke about it. They're like, Lindsay, you're, you're too crazy about it. And you look at like how each one looks and the connection between the two. And it's true. I, I do do that. And I think I become obsessive about it. And it definitely never really gives people this insight um, into, I guess, who I really am because mm-hmm. I'm, it seems really organized um, and a little bit perfect. And that is not who I am, <laughs> even in the slightest. Um, I, you know, like anyone, I'm messy and I'm a little crazy. Um, we all have our like moments of just kind of being not as in tune to ourselves as we want to be. Um, and people tell me all the time, they're always like, Lindsay, you look like you're doing so good. Like you're doing these great things. Um, but here I am, I'm 27 years old. And um, I weirdly was like, you're going to have a residency when you graduate college and you're going to already be doing all these amazing things. And it's like, I like pep talk to myself into like disappointment when Mm -hmm. I was really young. So I'm always trying to like live up to this weird standard I made for myself. Um, And I think that makes my imposter syndrome horrible because I like anyone, I mean, people are always like, Oh, it's, you seem so chill and your work is amazing and you're doing so much. Um, And I, I, I am, and I don't give myself enough credit. I think I'm always looking at like how I, what I don't have. Um, I feel you on that. I feel very, 
that's like really hitting home right now. I just had another gallery reject a submission and you like, you're like, okay. That sucks. Yeah. I I like, I wish we could say it more to be like, it just sucks. And it's nobody's, it's like fine, but it still kind of stings, I guess. And you know, you're putting vulnerability into your work and just putting it out there. I love the process of making, but I do want to share it with the world. And then we do. And then, you know, with social media, are you getting enough likes? Is that affecting your process? Like there's all these, you know, ways of weaving it in and out of validation when you should hopefully just find that within yourself. But inevitably it kind of feels like sometimes you're battling the world and sometimes you're riding the wave, you know? It is like this weird connection between the two because like I'm with you where I'm like, oh, I got a rejection letter and I'm pissed yeah (laughs) but um I also am trying really hard to be more accepting of like like not failures but like disappointments yes um because like with artists I'm like that's a project in itself how much we do pour our hearts (laughs) out there like I don't know anyone that can write a proposal like I mean I know lots of artists but most people when I explain it to them that aren't artists they're like what the hell's a proposal like Mm -hmm. what do you mean you have to write about yourself in these like three paragraphs and like these ideas that you have but haven't been made yet. Yeah. It's like basically like you have to unlock your brain and write it into a format so uh, someone else can see it, mm-hmm. um, which is so hard. Yeah, because you don't know what they're looking for, how it's going to be cohesive with other stuff. You know, there's all these things. And then if you get a, a turn down, you think, well, I'm not, I'm not meeting the mark when it may right. not most likely be the case. Right. Totally. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, um, I also, I think like we're probably a little bit luckier than like younger kids, but, um, social media is just such a weird thing. Yeah. The whole thing about likes where I'm like, oh my God, yeah, it's so true. It's like you look at these pages and you see what everyone else has or what more, what is getting more traction. And then I'm like, should I be doing that too? Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly I had this like. Um, it's, you know, ironic, but I was on like a date or whatever with someone and they were like, I was like looking at your Instagram and I couldn't find your face. Like I literally (laughs) had to like hunt for your face and I'm like, yeah, I don't really put that up too much. And I was like, why don't you just go to a tagged photo, dude? Like whatever. (laughs) But like besides the point, um, but it's, it's so funny because like, I think a lot more people get more traction on their Instagram if they put their face on it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't do as well. Yeah. It's very rare. I I don't love doing doing that yep me too um like I like to add my friends and when I'm having a great moment but I'm not trying and that's just a me thing like I know so many other people and I'm not knocking anyone Mm. um, that does that because I'm like dude go off queens (laughs) or whoever like do it um but just for me and my art I feel like oh I just I I want it to be my artwork um especially Mm -hmm. being like I think a female also has a lot to do with that too where I'm Mm -hmm. like I don't want someone to just Give me something because they're like, oh, this chick. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like to stand apart from my work so that they're just taking it at that. But people do like to humanize things and the human behind the art can matter sometimes. Sometimes I'm more okay doing it in stories. I don't know. But then other people down the line can't see it. So I don't know. Yeah. I kind of grapple with that too. Yeah. It's a conversation on Reddit and Reddit's not the right audience because it's largely, no offense, Reddit users. It's largely like pervy dudes but (laughs) you're not wrong (laughs) there is an art subreddit of course because there's a subreddit for everything and like picture of art with pretty girl and it gets 17 zillion times the amount of upvotes than like a picture of art without the artist Mm -hmm. attached to it so it is what it is yep and then what if you're a girl that posts some artwork and then you don't get any traction 
Am I not a pretty girl? Oh, I know. Am I not true. pretty enough to I know. help bolster uh, my heart? And then like, I'm also like, who's them? Yeah. Air quotes for them. I'm like, yeah. who is them? Yeah. And I'm like, why do I think about them so much? Why would I want that audience looking at me? Like right. the the particulars that are chasing after liking the, you know, chick with the painting with a posed brush painting, you know, <laughs> it's very particular. Like that's... I, my guess is they're not the people buying the work. You no, know? probably not. Which right. isn't the only reason for social media, but it certainly is a big part of it when you're an artist and you're truly thinking about marketing. You're thinking about, you know, customers. Right. 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 You know. That makes me think about how likes translate to sales. Right. Yep. Yep. Which is so weird because I'm like, are we making any money off of that? I don't right. think so. And people can promote just regular posts. Right. So they could spend a hundred bucks to get 1700 likes. And then what's it really worth? Right. I guess I have also have a question that this conversation is making me want to question you guys as well. <laughs> um, but I like, for me, I get so nervous too with Instagram. Where I'm like, Oh, could someone just screenshot my work and then like take it yeah. for their own and yes. like make their own. Absolutely. You know, like yes. some about- people do watermarks on their work to try to combat that. But anyone who can do Photoshop, that's a wizard. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you, I could totally take off a watermark. Right. I'm not good at Photoshop by any <laughs> means necessary. That's something that also I'm like is a hard thing about being mm-hmm. an artist is everyone's so good at all that. And I'm like, oh, my God, someone help me. Yeah. But I, I'm like, yeah, I couldn't delete that watermark, but someone but, sure can. Yeah, you some know, people out there could. Yeah, I think I don't know Photoshop at all. Not my but I'm not alone. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that I could even remove a watermark <laughs> because my phone's camera has an, like an object remover, like oh an object God. eraser. Yeah. Like I could just touch it and then it would disappear. Because sometimes people make watermarks that are very big. And with Photoshop, at least, you probably could, you know, <sighs> clone tool the hell out of that to make it work. But you're sinking a lot of time in just to just do some photo collage artwork if that's your <laughs> ability, yeah. I guess. But, totally. But yeah. yeah, there are definitely people, especially when people have large followings, I think they scam artists' work to try to gain followers themselves. And I don't know what the end game is for that. What is the end game? <laughs> it could perhaps be real scammers who are looking to sell art that's not really real. <sighs> I'm also like, I gotta meet these scammers. I'm right. like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Do you have other jobs too, or is this your full time? <laughs> There is a podcast. Mm. If you like listening to podcasts, I I've do. already le- mentioned it here before. It's called Mother Hacker. Ooh. And it's about a woman who gets scammed by a phone call scam thing. And then she reverse scams them. And they're <gasps> like, you're so talented. You should work for us. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I've only listened to season one. But yeah, that's like <laughs> heavenly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that reverse like psychology that she did. Yep. Boom. You want to yep. hack me? Good luck. <laughs> um. Photographing your work. So this is something that we talk about with artists a lot is like the challenge, like the art of photographing your art. It's an art in and of itself. And it's unfortunately an important piece of art, whatever. (laughs) But like I look at your vials and I'm like, man, that sounds way harder to photograph than even like photographing like a painting. No, it is. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) When it comes to like my, my, um, if you look at my website, like all of my artwork on there, I'm I'm so happy you think I do a good job because (laughs) you do. it has been a lot of stress. Um, (laughs) It's a lot about like the, they don't really teach you that much um, on how to photograph your work in college. Mm -mm, I'll give you that. And they really need to change that colleges. Yep talking to you but <laughs> are you listening colleges listen to us 
But I would say that it is a lot about having the right setup, the right um, lighting, mostly the lighting. Um, with my larger like sculpture work, it's so hard because with glass, it's almost impossible to get a good image. And I think yeah. it is a skill set. I know so many glass artists that will spend more than the money probably that it took to make the work on photographing yeah. it because they need a good image. I mean, as we know with applications, your images, you're what gets you in or not. But I think with the vials, I have learned from a little bit of my sculptures where it's like, it's about lighting. And honestly, I take it, my, all of my like photos of my vials are actually taken with my phone. Mm -hmm. And it's all about like nice clean walls. I'm like looking around this gallery being like, Ooh, this is a good spot. (laughs) (laughs) And like my friend, she, I was just at her house and she has like white walls, high ceilings, lots of um, light that comes through. And I was like, please, can I come over and take photos in your house? So I think it, like, in the winter really sucks. I take them at my studio um, on the second floor with the window next to me, and I try to use all-natural lighting. Yeah. But in the winter, I have to be there at, like, 12 o'clock, and if I'm not done by 2.30, then my lighting has changed, and the photos are, like, different than what I started with. Yeah, right. So it's it's honestly, it's probably my biggest challenge um, is photographing them and getting, like, the right time. Like, summer's great because it's, sum- it's beautiful all the time, and... You can really take them whenever, but it is about lighting. Yeah. I think that's like the main thing with it. But I I think um, I actually have a show coming up um, in April in Boston and um, I'm like, I'm going to hire someone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With like, take a, that stress off you your go. Plate. I love yeah, that. I'm like, I'm gonna hire someone just because I'm like, it's a nice show. I should treat myself. Outsource, <laughs> outsource, <Yes>. and <laughs> give another artist something. Yeah, seriously. The show will be open for three months, but we're going to have um, closing statements. So I'm going to do an artist talk in Boston. Um, so when cool. is that and where is that? I don't have the actual date of when the artist talk will be, but um, I do know when. And if they follow me, if like, um, you know, people want to listen and then follow me and go see the show, um, I'll probably announce it there. But the show itself is actually with um, another friend of mine. Her name's Sienna Hancock. And um, our show is called Declassification. Oh, uh, which is that's cute. It's very cute. Um, she thought of it. She's very smart and very witty. Um, and she was like, "Is this weird?" And I'm like, "No, it's adorable." And also, like, it fits in very well. Yeah. I honestly, is it weird to like read a little something of, of no. it? No, no, go no, for it. I don't mean. Like, okay, it's written so well. I'm like, I can't say it. <laughs> and Creative Guts will share the details too yes. for your show. Oh, so cool. we'll make sure people know about it. I appreciate it. Is you it guys. at a particular gallery? Yes. So um, it's at the Brookline Arts Center. Okay. Um, and it basically, it's um, the show itself is not actually at the Brooklyn Art Center, but it's paired with it. It's actually at um, our Sanctuary Medicals. Oh, okay. Which it's just a, a, their shop is, it's actually, it's a weed store, but. Uh, <laughs> It's a little ironic. Um, I love it. It is kind of great because they're like, oh, you're having a glass show? Like, do you make pipes? And we're like, nothing of the sort. (laughs) But um, it's pretty great because I know so many glass artists. Um, The studio I work at, um, we're going to have like a pop-up there. So basically in Boston to have a store that you can't have any windows looking in, but they actually have an amazing space where it's actually all windows. So they've turned it into a gallery, which is really special. And they've partnered with Brookline Art Center 
And Brookline Art Center actually puts out calls and then you can have a gallery show there. Wow. And it's this honestly beautiful space right near the T in like Kenmore area. So it's it's pretty special. And Brookline Art Center will also be putting a lot of information out about the show as well. Cool. But um, basically the show to read just a little snidbit about it. Glass is a unique material as a vitreous substance. It's an amorphous molecule state, uh, which causes it to be completely separate classification from a solid liquid or gas. So um, me and Sienna Hancock will basically look into the material um, and we'll have a show that defies everyday expectations of glass. Rather than creating a clear, pristine form of glass, both uh, Sienna and I will create artworks that toe in line with the material's limits, holding the roles of alchemists, chemists, and enchanters of the world. Oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. I did butcher it a little bit. I'm a bad reader. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> but it's it's really, it's going to be an amazing show because um, a lot of our work plays on kind of what we've talked about here, which is this connection between destruction and creation and looking at materials that may or may not look identical to glass, kind of creating a different form of glass. So it's a pretty, it's going to be a really amazing show to see what I consider the new direction of what glass art can be. Cool. Yeah. And well said. Yeah. And um, we'll be having artist talks. So our show opens in in April. So April 2nd will be our opening show, but we'll have a pop-up with some other glass artists, kind of like a weekend um, selling kind of glasswares, some pipes, um, but jewelry and some other little functional sculptures. And that'll be in May. And then we'll do our artist talks in June. Um, And artist talks will actually be really interesting to kind of like see our work and where we've come from and hear what's in our weird brains. I love it. That's really fantastic. That's so cool. I think one more quick question and then we'll go to rapid fire. Yes. How can people buy your work? Do you sell online or is it largely at like craft fairs and shows? So I do it all through Instagram for right now um, and craft fairs and shows. If you really want to buy it in person, craft fairs and shows are the best. I'm working on a web, like my website to add um, a sellable aspect to it. But for right now, um, I do a lot of story sales. Yeah. Kind of just like sell it, hang out through there. And um, yeah. Cool. It's very like (laughs) random, I guess. No, I love it. It like forces people to like follow you and pay attention because there's like there's another artist who makes jewelry who um, she only sells like every few weeks has like I'm going to drop all of these items all at once and then they sell out immediately. So you have no choice but to follow her and pay attention to her so that you can not miss your chance to buy a piece of jewelry from her. Honestly, I love that. You're like, this is your chance, baby. I both love and hate it. I'm like, would you step up your production so that I do not have to like pay attention at exactly 6 p.m. on a Sunday and like get it as quickly as humanly possible. It's very annoying. I know. You're like, I have to set a a timer on my phone. (laughs) Who knew this is what I'd be doing it for? All right, now it's time for rapid fire questions. We're going to give you quick questions with quick answers. Okay. From you. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm like, ooh, ooh. sorry, I'm a talker. <laughs> what other artist has influenced you the most? Ooh, um, Eva Hess. What's your favorite flower? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, Lily of the Valley. What's your favorite color? Oh, that's impossible. Um, to wear black and then like uh, favorite color in general, like lavender or like a deep green. Ooh. ooh. What's your favorite scent? 
Mm, lavender. Makes you fall asleep. It's really nice. Mm. What's your favorite sound? Weirdly, I'm just going to say this because I do miss my dog, but um, sometimes if you're petting him and then you stop petting him, he like does like... Oh. <laughs> it's honestly adorable. <laughs> What's your favorite texture to touch? There's this amazing fabric that is like all different like loops, I guess. Um, and it's like Ooh. a blanket and very textural. Or I want like a very um, silicone with lots of um, spikes. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> What's the most inspiring location you've traveled to? I would say the Redwood f- Redwood Forest. <laughs> Can't even say it, but yes. <laughs> the trees were so, so large and just those ferns out on the Pacific North Coast. It's just, it's unlike anything. Ah, incredible. I'm dying to get there. You got it. You'll love it. Anyone should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you would love to put in a vial, but you haven't been able to source yet? I really want like snake skin. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I've yet to like play with that. Well, be on the hunt, listeners. <laughs> if you find, find any some, snake I know, skins, I'm like, it's a very random one. Then just slither on over <laughs> to Lindsay's Instagram and let her know you have some. You'd be my best friend. <laughs> People are going to mail you snake skin. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it would probably be the best thing of my life. <laughs> now you're going to get a bunch. <laughs> Better watch out. <laughs> like from Anonymous with like ransom letter, like written with magazine And then like letters. once every week too. They're like, <laughs> and here's more. I'd be like, oh my God, reveal <laughs> yourself. I love you that. You got to find someone with a pet snake. Oh, true. Yeah, because they shed. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that'd be easy and less creepy. All right. Yes. <laughs> Folks who own snakes. I know. I Dial don't know anyone. Up. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> have a hotline. Um, okay, clincher question. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? What a hard one to end on. I know. Um, <laughs> I guess two things. One, you are on the right path and like mm-hmm. do not give up. Like you are doing it. Just, and I guess my second piece of advice goes with that is like, don't be so hard on yourself. Like you're doing it. That's, That's awesome. Really good advice. A lot of people have said that. I think it's a common thread that yeah. a lot of us are just way too darn hard on ourselves. A lot of times I think about like how I talk to my inner self. Would I talk to a friend that way? Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I wouldn't. I would encourage my friend. So. Totally. Right. I know that's a good way to like remind myself is like, would I talk to my friend that way? And it's yeah. like, no. Get your shit together. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, that's not what you'd say. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, Lindsay. Thank you both. Truly, this was probably like the best part of my night this week. Oh, Yay! It's that's been awesome. an honor to talk to both of you. Oh, you too. I mean, your work is lovely, but you were just really fun to talk yep. to. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad we could just have a good conversation, yes. honestly. Yeah. It was great. So thank you again, Lindsay, for being on the show. And with that, show, show us your creative guts. Another big thank you to Lindsay Marshall for joining us on Creative Guts. I always love when artists come on the podcast and I learn something new from them or I think about or look at things differently because of our conversation. Lindsay's work is stunning and it's always nice to hear from artists that are incredibly talented that they struggle with the same challenges that the rest of us all struggle with too. And I bet that that's something that some of our listeners can relate to. I hope I make it to Lindsay's show with the Brookline Arts Center, and I can't wait to see what she does next. Lindsay's art inspires me so much. As a collector slash hoarder myself, I'm in awe of how she has transformed memories into art and 
I love how she looks at her own art and the world. I feel very lucky to have been positioned next to her at that art event all those months ago. Lindsay, thank you for being you and sharing your experience with us. You rock. Check out Lindsay's work online at lindsaymarshallart.com and on Instagram where her handle is at lindsaymarshallglass. As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. Come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram where our handle is at Creative Guts Podcast. If you love listening, please consider making a donation to Creative Guts. Our budget is tiny, so donations of any size really do make a big difference. Creative Guts is a small nonprofit, but our work is far bigger than our podcast. Learn more about us and make a tax-deductible donation at creativegutspodcast.com. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. Okie dokie, smokey. We are recording. All right. Did I say memoriam vials weird? No. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I believe you. I was worried that you were going to say and and then be like, crap, I didn't write the rest. I, f- I <laughs> rolled with the punches. You did. I was very proud. You improved. <laughs> the hot shop but i sorry like it's okay (laughs) like i touched them like um conceptual gorgeous like here's an art piece you want to say here's an art piece i'm so sorry (laughs) not the mic but the sound of music when you were a kid was there a certain time of the year that you watched it because they always, on my networks up in Old Maine, they always played it around Easter time. So I always thought it was an Easter movie, though it has nothing to do with that. And my friend Becky, our friend Becky, uh, we recently watched it around Christmas time because she f- associates it as a Christmas movie. And I was like, this is interesting. I, it doesn't have to do with either of those two things. No. No. <laughs> no. I think <laughs> musicals are Christmas things, though. Yeah. Huh. Like, because yep. if you really think about it, um, I, you know, most Christmas movies aren't that great. They're like the same love story. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really, it's boring. That is what's so great about them. <laughs> I, I do. The Hallmark movies are good. They are. <laughs> Can't knock it. But I do feel like musicals are like a Christmas thing for me. So I'm like, let's do it. Tell yep. the music. Yep. That's adorable. Now someone just needs to make a diehard Christmas musical. Oh my and God. there you go. There's minimal romance in that. How is lots that? of, you know, bad Germans. It's yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Just like the sound of music. <laughs> <laughs> of bad German. I'm also like, why has no one done it? Right? <laughs> it's probably off Broadway somewhere. Back when we were talking about art. Right. <laughs> it is an art form, I will say. But yes.